0: Are you in need of some moral morale? Then tune into this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny and I'm very happy to report to you that I did have back surgery just almost exactly one week ago uh, and I'm doing remarkably well. Uh, the nerve pain that I was having is completely gone and I just have some incisional pain where they did the surgery, uh, but I'm walking down the driveway I'm on my feet uh, doing well and very, very encouraged. So there's been an outpouring of, of well wishes and prayers uh for me and my recovery and I just receive all of those and happy to give you a very good report on what is happening here. So as we head into the summer I'm hoping to be hitting on all cylinders here and uh get past this little episode. So thanks for tuning in to another episode today. This is entitled The Moral Morale. And I just uh read an article this week uh that took away my morale about morality. And uh, I felt like I needed to read some excerpts to you. Read some excerpts to you, because not all of it is wrong, and it is certainly is a wake-up call. Um, but I also want to encourage you. Um, you know, at the very beginning, three. You know, I'm into my middle of my fourth season. At the very beginning, one of my very first podcasts I released was entitled "Culture Wars." Is it a worth? Is it a war worth fighting? And if you've never listened to that before or don't have reference for that, I encourage you to go back a few years and listen to my heart at the very beginning. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, culture wars, it's not long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's right here and it's right now. So here we are three and a half years later and we're still in the middle of a war. And um, what I want to release to you is some hope. Um, to go back to Star Wars, quote: um, "Rebellions are built on hope." It's a quote from uh, Cassian Andor in Rogue One. If you're a Star Wars junkie like our family is, it was repeated later by Jin later in the episode that rebellions are built on hope. And and sometimes, you know, we I know rebellion is a big word, and the title of this podcast is to push back, and that's what we're after. Uh, Because we have to have hope. We have to believe that there is a reason for what we are doing. Otherwise, it's just chatter. And I don't have a lot of value for chatter. And I hope you don't think my podcast is that. Uh, We have to be able to drill down on what the issues are, be aware of what's happening in our culture, and be the ones that stand up and set the culture. That's what we do as Christians and as Christian families. So I want to reiterate that. I want to drill down on that uh, based on this article. Before I talk about morale, though, let me just give you this that I found the th- on three moral behaviors. Now, I might be quoting these a while because, as I mentioned before, I have in my heart to do a little bit of a series um, on, on morality and why what the left um, liberals are feeding us uh, is not working. We have that in our favor. But this is listed as three, three moral behaviors, necessary conditions for ethical behavior. Number one, the ability to anticipate the consequences of one's own actions. Number two, the ability to make value judgments. And three, the ability to choose between alternative courses of action. Let's just plug the issue of abortion into those three behaviors. And I think it'll raise your eyebrows. I want you to just think about abortion the ability to anticipate the consequences of one's own actions. Just think about how we get to the point of needing or requiring an abortion in someone's mind. Number two, the ability to make value judgments, liberty versus life. Three, the ability to choose between alternative courses of action, as if abortion is the only option. See, there are moral, ethical behaviors at the core root of everything that we talk about. And it's important that we understand that we can be moral, that we're called to live moral. Now, morale, add me at the end, is the confidence, enthusiasm, and discipline of a person or group at a particular time. And that's my call to you, my listeners. I need your morale to be high. (laughs) I need your moral morale to be high because we are up against it. That is for sure. So the article I read this week was written by a conservative author named Josiah Lippincott from American Greatness. It's a conservative article. The entitle is Conservative Lost the Culture War, and the Trump agenda is the only path forward. At the national level, especially conservatives must sideline the cultural battles in favor of issues of national survival. So I'm just going to read a few excerpts from... Josiah Lippincott's article. Immigration, trade, war, and crime. Being right on these four issues propelled Donald Trump into the presidency in 2016 against all odds. The intervening seven years have changed nothing. The only way a candidate from the right can possibly win the presidency in 2024 is by campaigning on limited immigration, increasing tariffs, getting out of Ukraine, and restoring law and order, especially in regards to elections, and the opioid crisis. The issues of national survival are of primary importance. There is no point in fighting a culture war if we don't have a country in which this war can take place. Conservatives do not have a viable path to political power any other way. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the culture war is over and conservatives lost, at least for now. Trying to rehash these old battles in the present political moment when institutional Christianity no longer has any meaningful political or cultural clout is a waste of time, at least on the national level. COVID-19 made the weakness of American Christianity painfully clear. Protestant and Catholic churches alike overwhelmingly declared themselves non-essential during the spring of 2020. That was, sadly, merely an acknowledgement of a long-standing reality. Virtually no one cares about the Pope or any megachurch pastor for that matter has to say about political or cultural life. Their endorsements do not move the needle and their influence has little or no bearing even on their own flocks when it comes to preserving the old standards of Christianity, morality, and decency. Since 1933, the American right has posted loss after loss in the cultural war. From blasphemy laws to pornography, school prayer to abortion, gay marriage to biological men using women's bathrooms, conservatives and Christians have suffered a nearly unmitigated series of losses. America's pastors and priests couldn't stop this decline, and for the most part, they didn't really try or seem to want to. Aside from a few metaphysical niceties and theological quibbles, I can detect no real difference in the innumerable sermons and homilies I've heard written in my lifetime. The modern pastor is generally soft. We live in a country where the president says it is anti-Semitic to ban trans surgery for minors, and yet you will strain yourself to hear any priest or pastor say a word in response. Millions of Americans are hurting, desperately confused about their very identity and sexual impulses, and the leaders of the churches have almost nothing to say. Non-essential workers, indeed. America is awash in men's groups, uh, Bible studies, discipleship training, women's seminars, and worship conferences. Yet divorce is through the roof, abortion is common, and homosexuality lauded from the very centers of American financial and political power. Whatever utility all this frenetic religious activity has had for the private faith lives of ordinary Americans, it is abundantly clear it has not had any real benefits for the moral and spiritual health of the nation as a whole. These institutions that, that shape the public consensus uh, consciousness in a way social conservatives simply cannot. Manufactured content is real and all, all around us. A large portion of Americans simply accept whatever their televisions and cell phones tell them to believe, no matter how perverted, wrong, or harmful. Even many of those who do not not agree with it at least bow to the moral consensus. The idea that large numbers of Americans are going to, quote, wake up and, quote, push back is simply a cope. That's not how popular opinion works. The idea that Americans are going to see transgenderism as a bridge too far, I think, is overhyped. I remember the gay marriage debates such as they were. I remember Proposition 8 passing in 2008 in California. I also remember how none of these setbacks for the left ultimately had any bearing in the end. By 2015, gay gay marriage was the law of the land. Today, it is untouchable liberal orthodoxy, supported by a majority of Americans, including a large number of, quote, conservatives. Unquote. Owning, liberal fa- owning liberals with facts and logic is mostly a waste of time. Political power doesn't flow from scoring debate points in the free marketplace of ideas. It comes from willingness to impose one's beliefs on others and possessing the resources to do so. All morality requires enforcement. Conservatives and Christians today simply lack the force of will to impose their social morality on the left. That is why they lose cultural battles and the left wins. The deep-rooted weakness of the American Christian right is a serious problem. I wish it wasn't this way. I wish my fellow Christians had more spirit. I wish our leaders would lead. That isn't the reality we have, though, as much as I would wish otherwise. Trump showed that even in our degraded moral culture, a huge percent of Americans still want the nation to survive. They don't hate themselves, despite all the propaganda to which they've been subjected. The old pre-World War II conservative consensus in favor of protectionism, non-intervention and immigration restrictions is still enormously popular. If we win on these fronts and secure a future for our country then, and only then, will we have a chance to fight once again for the family, for our faith and for a return of moral decency. That do- that day, however, is still a long way off. We have work to do. Now, I didn't read you that article to try to kill your morale, <laughs> although I will confess, after I read it, I felt pretty down. I felt down. Depressed is a too big of word, but I felt my morale was tweaked, my confidence, my enthusiasm, my discipline at a particular time. The definition of morale. So let me tell you three things that I think Josiah Lippincott was right about. Number one is that we still have some work to do. <laughs> I agree with him on that. And we have lost some culture wars, but not all of them. I agree with him that religious leaders have been soft. And I've said this many times on my podcast, this is driving me crazy. We need to have influence. And when you have a pastoral influence and you have a flock and you don't have influence over your flock, then what is the point? Yes, it's about religious teaching and teaching the Bible and making us stronger people and learning about what the Bible says about us and who we are. But at the end, it's about influencing the world in which we live. Otherwise, he might as well just take us home now. He's left us here with a purpose and a passion and a power to actually accomplish the task in which we are here for. And we have to take full advantage of any influence we have. And I believe pastors have a pulpit built in for them to enter even the fray of this world and bring real, real influence. I agree with him that the left controls a lot of institutional power when we talk about Hollywood and big business and Fortune 500 companies. But I think there's some things that he is absolutely wrong about. Number one, he said all morality requires enforcement. He actually says in his article that he believes that that's the definition of morality, is enforcing one's views on each other. But I've always believed that you can never legislate behavior. Legislation follows behavior. And so I believe that why we don't need to enforce morality, I believe that we can make a case for morality as the strongest place for us to live. Now, while, while I was flattered that he mentioned my podcast by name in his article, I disagree with what he said. He said the idea that Americans are going to wake up and push back is simply a cope. Well, my answer to Josiah Lippincott is that only motivates me. That actually builds my morale, my confidence, my enthusiasm. And I refuse to accept that as true. I believe that when the church, when the Christians, when the conservatives do wake up and push back, that we can change a generation, that we can change the world in a generation. It's done before it can happen again. And I think there are three things that Josiah Livencott just isn't accounting for. And the first thing is, is that we are a representative republic. We still, for now, have the right to be heard and accounted for. See, politicians are a fickle group. You've heard me say this many times on this podcast. Politicians follow consensus. There's something magical about 51% to a politician. But I do believe that in the political realm we need teeth. It's true. In a paragraph I didn't read, he talked about wolves attacking and the shepherds sit back and do nothing. No, we do need to be able to fight back. We do need to wake up our nation. We need to need a public discourse. He said, shouting discourse in the streets isn't going to change anything. I disagree with him on that. I believe it goes back to the foundation of what our country was built upon. During and before the revolution, people literally stood up. That's where the term soapbox came from. I looked this up. A soapbox is a raised platform on which one stands to make an impromptu speech, often about a political subject. The term originates from the days when speakers would elevate themselves by standing on a wooden crate originally used for shipment of soap or other dry goods from a manufacturer to a retail store. The term is used metaphorically to describe a person engaging often in flamboyant, impromptu or unofficial public speaking as in the phrase, get off your soapbox. (laughs) Well, my podcast is episode, episode, weekly, weekly of me standing on a soapbox and shouting the best that I can. I'm a limited audience, but God willing, I want the audience to grow so people can hear and that my voice can be loud. I'm willing to go stand on a physical corner of a street and stand on a soapbox if I have to because I'm motivated. And as a representative republic, we have the ability to look at the doctrine, look at the legislation that is in place uh, by the left liberal religion and orthodoxy and make the case that it isn't working. Americans respond to policy that doesn't work. And liberal social policy in this country has been a disaster. And I want to prove it to you over the next couple of weeks. And we can stand on the soapbox and shout it. The second thing Josiah Lippincott isn't accounting for is the power of family. He mentions that hopefully if a Republican becomes president, then, then maybe at that point we can start restoring family and faith. But I want to be very clear, and even secular sociologists agree, as family goes, so goes the culture. Family set the culture. You've heard me say it thousands of times on this podcast. And I do believe that because of family and because of the strength and love for family that we have common ground that we can find. I believe that everybody wants their family to be safe, to be healthy, and to, and to prosper. Everybody wants that for their family and for their children. So I do believe that the left can go too far. Like I talked about in last week's podcast in Minnesota. I don't believe anybody believes stripping parental rights is something that 51% of Minnesotans want. I just don't believe it. And the third thing that I believe he isn't accounting for and trying to bring down our morale <laughs> is the spirit and glory of God. Like this is a call for a wake up, a wake up in our political realm, a wake up for our nation, a wake up for our family, a wake up for our culture. But the spirit and glory of God actually calls for a literal awakening. Awakening of our spirit, of our morality. Awakenings have happened in this country before too. And things have shifted dramatically in just a generation. I believe that he has limited in this article the spirit and glory of God. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Acts 1, eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I love Ephesians chapter 5 starting in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is what I can testify to you, my listeners. The light of Christ is really bright. It's brighter than any human light and there is a requirement for us to live in that place of goodness, righteousness, and truth, to receive the light of Christ, let it shine and let it shine bright. And it not only casts out darkness, it exposes the darkness. And we can we can inject and we can superimpose the light of Christ on this article that I read, which was well written. I don't disagree with any of it. I don't disagree with a lot of it. I disagree with some of it. I don't disagree that he was just trying to be provocative and to bring out something and to try to slap us in the face and to wake us up. In that, I honor him for that. But if we superimpose the light of Christ, even on this article, I believe that things look differently. I believe that our moral morale can be strong. It needs to be strong. I have an increased enthusiasm and determination. And I know this podcast is just one avenue, but as each of you listen to this and each of you expose and and cast light on the darkness in this world, then things will change. Things must change. I'm interested in politics. I'll be watching the politics in the election of 2024 with great interest and great detail. I think it's important, but let's be clear. It's about the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. It doesn't mean that we should be weak-minded. It doesn't mean that we should be soft. In fact, it's okay to show our teeth every once in a while, especially in the in the political world. I believe it's necessary. But there is no answer. There is no rebuttal. There is no debate about the light of Christ on this earth. I'm calling for an awakening. I'm calling for a, a increase in our morale and a call for morality, which is a big deal, and which is important, and we cannot let up. We will continue, as he wrote in the article, to push back. So with that, as an encouragement, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.